You can't always solve a problem within 24 hours, but you can have a solution in motion within 24 hours. Every leader faces challenges on a daily basis, and the way we navigate those challenges can make a deep and lasting impact for time and eternity. We're helping leaders discover practical tools based on biblical principles, and helping you create like-minded communities who will walk with you as you lead your organization to health. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. Hello, friend. Welcome to the Healthy Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Peter Hartzell. Very pleased to be with you today. We are talking about the 24-hour rule. And this is a rule that Phil will talk about. They, they implemented this in their company. And uh, it made a pretty big impact in the morale and the way that you know, the way that problems were solved, the way that conflict was solved. And I think we've done a podcast about conflict resolution um, uh, in the past, or we've talked about it in the past, but we're going to dive deeper into the 24-hour rule. So I'm just going to let Phil dive right into it. Phil, what is the 24-hour rule? Yeah. So let, let me set the tone here. What you're trying to do is create an organization that is so healthy and so drama-free that that as much energy as possible is going toward the customer. Yeah. Developing healthy relationships with each other and with the customers. So uh, looking into the Bible for solutions for what do we do? Because we know that none of us is Jesus. And we know that we will have conflicts at times. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with the conflict? And this isn't something that just we did at Cohen Woodworking, but it's something I'm helping others with. And when they apply it, it's, it helps. It's it's not the the final magic bullet, but it it does uh, it does do a lot. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing how much it does, and um, I encourage you to uh, take this application and, and study as much as you can about conflict resolution. But here's just uh, one that worked for us, and and it has really two applications. I'm going to start with the first one, which I feel is the most important, and that is to resolve conflicts within the organization. And the 24-hour rule was, was this simple, to resolve all conflicts within 24 hours or less, privately and respectfully. And it's really important that as you're in your company, your organization, that you use, you come up with the exact wording that you want to use, and then you use those words. Hmm. And that way people can memorize it. You don't have to use my words, but you're welcome to take them. So let me start with the first application. And the first application is internal conflict. And so when you have internal conflict, this is taken actually from Matthew 18, where Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. And if he doesn't hear, take one or two more um, so that the witnesses can establish it. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if you won't hear the church, then let him be like a heathen and tax collector. And then the second one is uh, in Ephesians 4.26, where it says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And what happens is when there's a conflict between two people, there, there's, there's an anxiety or a wrath, a frustration that builds up between them. And that, that frustration, anxiety, whatever it, whatever it is, it's creating a lot of negative energy between the people. 
and that's that's taking energy away from what could be used for productivity. So uh, keep that in mind. So keep that picture in mind as we're looking at how to resolve this. And then where Paul said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Uh, th to me, this is saying that th this needs to be resolved as quickly as possible. Uh, leaders come to me and their organization is in a mess. There's massive conflict going on. And, and the reason for it many times is it, it's, it's what started out small could have been resolved right at the beginning. And, and it's so if you look in the Bible and, and just look in history, you see that that war has actually started as a conflict between two people. And then they, they spread. It just influenced and spread. So if you can get that resolved immediately, uh, you can you can go back to uh, serving your customers, basically, and serving one another. You can have the healthy energy in the organization. Mm -hmm. So I want to take you through the process of how we did the 24-hour rule. And it's, it's an interpretation of those scriptures. So the first time, first few times, first of all, a couple of things I need to happen. Um, someone in leadership, it needs to be done from the top down. So somebody in leadership needs to learn how to do this and, and probably even uh, go through it a couple of times with a couple of employees. And, and then make sure that you understand how to do it and then take it into the organization. So you, instead of just doing it, once you're confident that this is what you should do, then you cast the, the, in, in the entire organization and say, from now on, we're going to resolve conflicts within 24 hours. And we're going to do it privately and respectfully, and we're going to teach you how to do it. Uh, we're going to work work through a process for how to do it. So uh, without adding any more, here is the process. First of all, we always had a phrase, uh, confront me privately and support me openly. Hmm. And it's really important uh, to do that. I believe that what's going on in, our, in Washington, D.C. wouldn't be happening if people were solving their problems behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. But uh, where, where people, leaders... Uh, where they triangulate and they, they get people to take sides mm -hmm. and they're not really getting behind closed doors and resolving it. Um, that's what's causing a lot of toxicity because people are taking sides. Patrick Lencioni observed that when you have a leadership team, for example, and, and they need to, uh, whatever they agree to behind closed doors, they all need to take that agreement out and just stay cohesive uh, w when they get around people. So if Peter and I are, are, are co-leaders in a company, we don't want to agree to do something and then come out and tell the employees, well, yeah, that was Peter's idea, but I don't quite agree with it. <laughs> the way Patrick describes it is if you have a wall and there's a crack in the wall and there's a little light that gets through that crack, a little light that leaks, leaks through, it may be a small difference between two leaders but it actually, that thing fans out and becomes a huge thing among the people who are in the organization. And then they'll go to seed with it. So all your differences need to be resolved privately. And then you support each other openly. That seems to be a consistent thing too in parenting. Like if you, if between mom and dad, if mom and dad are mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, a, a child and they have a different opinion about how that should be handled, if they start 
if there's an open conflict, the child sees that and, and then there's no authority. There's no trust. There's no, they don't know who to listen to. Yeah. Even if it's a hidden conflict, sometimes children, many times children will pick up on the spirit of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a whole different subject. But when parents have, when they're in conflict, what it does is it creates a war inside the child. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the child doesn't understand what the war is about. Right. And yep. so that's why in so many marriages, probably one of the greatest sources of conflict is how to relate to the children, especially mm-hmm. when the children are, are struggling with something. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this applies in every area of life. Mm-hmm. So the, the first thing is, is it's important to come into this thing with a humble attitude and just, just realize that we're both human and, and just, just to lay our weapons down lay our defensiveness down. And so then uh, I'm going to go through the process, and ideally it should be led by, uh, it should be coached, like mentored. Uh, so two, two people in, in the company are having a conflict. And so it could be the CEO or it could be whoever it is who has good relationship skills and has the trust of the two people that they come together and they share with each other. So the thing that I've observed, there's a couple of things that happen when there's unresolved conflict. One is nobody's listening. And so all they can do, if you've ever seen, uh, uh, I don't know if it's just confined to Italians, but there's, there's some groups of people that when they argue, they just put their nose against each other and they're both yelling at the same time. Yep. And that might get a lot of that emotional energy out, but I don't know that it resolves the misunderstanding. Right. So th- there has to be a slowing down, and and then one person speaks at a time. So you, we decide who's going to speak first. You, we want to pray. We want to get the room calm. Everybody feels safe. It needs to be in a, in a private area. And so there's two people in conflict, and and one person will go first. Or if there's one person that has a problem with the other, uh, it, can, it can be if there's two people or one way. But the, the person who is struggling, who feels offended, uh, will, will share what, the, what it is. And sometimes it's good if they take some notes and bring the notes in so that they're ready. They need to do it without emotion, and, and they need to do it respectfully. And a couple of things that I've observed is... When, like I, I shared, the one thing is that when there's a conflict, nobody's listening. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking. The second thing I've observed in conflict is that people are exaggerating what happened. And uh, the third thing I've observed is they judge one another's motives instead of just stating what the what behavior happened? was. Mm-hmm. Another one is using sarcasm. Sorry. When there's, when there's a sensitive situation, sarcasm can really hurt people. And, uh, and then another one is profanity, when people swear at each other. Um, and I know that a lot of people use profanity. I've used it myself. I know I shouldn't. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting it less. But especially in a conflict, to use profanity, it, it can really leave a, throw a dart at the other person. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's an overload of the things that we need to avoid. So l- let me just walk through this. So one person, like um, like Mike, has a problem with Jim, 
And so Mike tells Jim what the problem is while Jim listens. And Jim, what his job is, is to listen and ask questions and help Mike get it all out. Until, and, and play back what he's hearing until Mike feels like he's been heard. Okay. And then once, once, once Jim has heard Mike and, and it's clear, it seems really clear that he's been heard. Notice Jesus said that when you go, when you go to your brother and he hears you. So Jesus didn't say he agrees with you. It, it doesn't matter whether we agree. What matters is that we are heard. And once, once we're heard, then we can establish healthy communication. We're not all going to agree on everything. I was uh, with a former employee here the other night. He said, I agreed with Phil on 80% of uh, what he believed. And that's a pretty high percentage. But, but there needs to be hearing before there can be agreeing. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that you hear each other. And, and then the other thing is that when, when, when Mike is expressing to Jim what happened, it's important that he just stay with what actually happened without exaggerating it. And it's also important that he doesn't try to tell Jim what his motives were. Why, well, the question I would have is like, why do you think somebody in, in the middle of a conflict like that would try to, like, would intentionally or even unintentionally, like, exaggerate or try to, uh, like, why is that the kind of the tendency? Well, because when you're hurt, you just want to win and you just want to hurt the other person back. To, you want to disempower the other person. But what this does is it helps restore power in a loving way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I feel like that happens a lot. Like you see when, when someone feels frustrated, like I used to deal with cust- customer service. I worked for a, a call center and I was training new people how to do this whole process. And I found that generally when the customer, the matter the customer was, the more inflamed the scenario or the situation was. So the things that happened that were frustrating became bigger and more. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, I'll give an example is I had one customer that complained about the installer and uh, I guess the installer had taken the old satellite dish off the roof and instead of carrying it down and nicely putting it by his truck, he just dropped it off the roof and it landed in the yard. And, <clears throat> but the customer said he threw it at me and it, landed in my Ooh. yard like like a spear and almost wow. killed me. So, I don't know I don't know if that's the exactly the way it played out, but after asking mm-hmm. talking with the installer and finding out the scenario, it was a misunderstanding. The installer probably shouldn't have dropped it off the roof. He probably should have walked it down, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a malicious thing. But because she was upset, it became yeah, this this big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you when you've been hurt, you can really go to seed over what really did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's a really good example. Like when that customer came, if you just simply write down what the customer's complaint is and try to extract just the actual information of what happened, um, and understand the customer and understand how they feel, and once the customer feels heard, right, then a lot of times that's all it takes. It's just mm-hmm. simply feeling heard. Sure. Uh, that that's a, that's a big subject that um, we could go into is when we feel finally feel heard and seen mm-hmm. how, yeah, how be healing good. begins. Yep. So then, um, so you, you want to make sure that, and you you can actually feel the shift in the room 
uh, when people are faking it, you can tell. When they're just going through the motions, you can tell usually. Uh, but you want to make sure that 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 person finally feels heard. There will be just like a sense of release and a relief that goes on. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of conflicts. Um, some conflicts have some substance to them, like like you said, dropping the dish off the roof. <laughs> and some of them are just feelings based. It may have been some small thing that triggered it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, and then, so then if it's, if it's a two-way conflict, then they switch roles. Like I can give you a really good example. Many years ago, we were in a church that was, it's just a wonderful church. And then the church fell because of some egos in the leaders. And uh, we found out that, uh, that the, the one, there was one night when five elders resigned all at once. And then the church eventually collapsed. It was a beautiful church, beautiful building, and uh, and then the, the then the church just closed. It was over. And I had some concerns to bring to the elders, so what I asked them to do was, I said, I have some concerns to bring you. I feel like I owe it to you to share what my struggle is, and I, I don't know if I'm accurate or not, but I I need to bring it if you're willing. And um, all I'm asking you to do is, in this meeting, let me bring my concerns to you. And you can take notes, you can ask questions, but please don't bring any concerns about me to me at this meeting. So if, if we can resolve this first, let's get this resolved first. And once we resolve this, then let's schedule a separate meeting and you can bring your concerns to me. Because what happens is when, again, you got both people talking and nobody listening right. and it becomes a shooting match and then everybody gets wounded. So it's really important that one person listens while the other one talks until they feel heard. And if it is a big issue, then it's important that, 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 that you, you could schedule this as two separate meetings, depending on how big it is. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the most important thing is people just want to feel heard. Yep. So then, then when there's a problem that, that, that at the end of it, once there's peace restored, and you may even have to say, look, you know, you just have to wipe the slate clean with each other and forgive each other. Can you do that? So then the other, the other dimension of it is there, there, sometimes there's, there's uh, gossip going on. So my policy was always <clears throat> if, if somebody had a problem with somebody, um, get it, get the, like, like, say, for example, somebody would come, uh, like again, Jim comes to Mike and Jim tells Mike, you know, there's several people out here on the plant floor that have a problem with you. And my, my reaction always was, let's get them all in the room right now. Hmm. Yeah. Because what, what would happen? Like, say, if a manager came to you and I've had this done to me, if a manager came to you and said, there's several people here that have this, this, and this problem with you, and I'd say, who are they? And, and he'd say, well, I, I can't disclose it for confidentiality's sake. So then how am I going to feel when I go back on the plant floor? I mean, right. I'm never going to feel safe again. Right. So I think the Bible, the Bible way to do it is, is just get it out in the light and get everybody in the room. So we did have situations where maybe there was one person and several people had a concern for that one person. 
So we would, what we would do is we'd bring the one person in the room and prepare him and say, you know, there's four other people that are struggling with some of your behaviors. And what I'd like you to do is, is I'm going to bring all everybody into the room and I'd like you to just listen and just know that these people care about you and they care about the company. Just listen, write things down and play back what they're saying until everybody feels heard. It doesn't mean that everybody's right or wrong, but there is a struggle going on here. So the way to, it's, it's called triangulating when one person is talking about other people or many people are talking about each other and you want to flatten the triangle. So if you think of a triangle as two people have a problem, but instead of going to each other, they're going to other people. Yeah. So the way to flatten the triangle is to get everybody in the room to where they're talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, what this did and what this will do is it will take, it will help, help a company. It will lower the drama level mm-hmm. in the company. The energy won't be focused on survival and, and how do I protect myself against my coworkers, but the energy is going to be focused on how do I help my coworkers mm-hmm. and how do I serve the customers. So that's, that's the first part of the 24 hour rule. To me, it's important that you resolve it as soon as it, as it happens. Now, you might ask, well, there are some problems. I mean, because we, we could just start meeting all day. This thing could become a, an epidemic yeah. of meetings. Yep. So you need some discernment to know, when do I just let it go? And when do I take it up? And, and that takes some discernment. And I think if you pray about it, and if you can just let it go, and it doesn't affect you, then... Then, then you can move on with it. But if it is affecting you, and, and sometimes you just simply go to a manager, somebody who's a third party. And I've had numerous people come to me and, and uh, you know, um, David and Jack might have a problem. And, and David would come to me and I'd say, well, go talk to Jack privately, respectfully. And, and, uh, and then I will always follow up in 24 hours. That's the important thing is follow up the next day and make sure that everybody is okay. Well, because if you don't, I was actually going to say, if, if you're not following up or as the manager, uh, I mean, if you know that there's a conflict, it could be a very small, minute thing. But if if gone unchecked, it could turn into a bigger thing that could have a, a big ripple effect on production. And like you said, the steals energy from your customer uh, mm-hmm. or from focusing on your customers. Uh, so following up in 24 hours, it, it does a couple of things. It lets your employees know that you you do care. I mean, you care enough to go and and check back in, and then it also allows for you to to be able to make sure that the conflict was actually resolved and that it's not going to become a problem that's kind of festering under the surface area. Yeah, because the real objective is to get clean energy restored back into the yep. organization and into people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so that's how we did it. Uh, take that process and try it for yourself. Modify it and, and see how it works for you. And if you go to the show notes of the description for, the, for this episode, I'm going to have a link to our website, healthy-leaders.org, and there will be a page on there uh, where you can get all the this whole outline, the 24-hour rule outline. So if you want to try to implement this or add this to your uh, kind of your quiver of tools, to use and helping to make your organization more healthy, uh, just go to the description show notes and you click that link or go to that page and we'll have that available for you. 
So the next the next part of the 24-hour rule is that um, because we are servants, we're, we're servants to our customers in, in every way. This, the customer is the master and we're the servant. Whenever there was a problem, a customer problem, this was the rule. This is how we said it. Anytime there's a customer problem, we have a solution in motion with within 24 hours. And so I'll tell you, uh, let me explain to you how that plays out. So uh, I'll give you two examples. When we were doing cabinets for Walmart, uh, we had a, a Walmart store up in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, we ran out of plastic laminate the, for the walls, the paneling, the plastic paneling for the walls. So the customer called me, and within 24 hours, I had a, uh, an account set up with a vendor in Anchorage, and they were delivering the, the material to the uh, to the job site. And then the second one was a, a project that we had in Utah. And uh, it was, again, it was a very large project for a department store. And somehow uh, the truck and the truck driver disappeared. Wow. And so the contractor called us. So we always told the contractor and we had worked it out with our trucking line that if uh, if we tell you that the truck's going to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning and it's not there by 8.20, call us. And we agreed that we, we had the truck line agree with to that too, that they would call us, that, that, that they would promise to have it there within 20 minutes of the agreed time. And so that worked pretty good. It took a while to get that in motion, to get that in place. But call us if it's not there within 20, because we knew that they many times were hiring crews to unload the truck, or they had maybe union car carpenters that were there on the clock that were unloading the trucks. So this, anyways, this whole load disappeared. And so we scrambled and we contacted our, our suppliers and we bribed them with cookies and told them, uh, asked them if they could help us just do, do the complete store over. It was an entire semi-load. And so we had, we had, had uh, created our, uh, had, had everything set up in our scheduling with our vendors that within three days we could have the job, another semi-load ready to ship out. And so we were just waiting for an approval from the, from the insurance company. Well, it turned out that I'm not going to go into details, but they found the truck and they found the driver and the project got there. So we didn't have to rebuild it. But the contractor was so impressed with how quickly we solved this thing. So, you know, when there's a problem, if you're a customer and there's a problem, your anxiety levels are rising high, especially if it's a, a, a project that is, has, there's a lot of things going on. But, but even if it's a small thing, like you're waiting for a plumber and, and there's a problem, uh, if people aren't reliable, if they don't keep their word, your anxiety is getting higher and higher. So these customers were expecting us to be just like everybody else. And they were expecting that it would just be, we would go silent for two or three days or two or three weeks even. And so we wanted to differentiate ourselves. So we had the 24-hour rule that uh, we, 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 we just, we staffed it and 
and put some energy behind it. And there, you can't always solve a problem within 24 hours, but you can have a solution in motion within 24 hours. So that's what we did. And so the clock is ticking. 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning, they call and they say, the truck didn't get here. And so, uh, and that was supposed to be there at eight. So we're starting to put things in, into process. We're processing things like, where's that truck and why isn't it there? And well, they're saying, well, wait another day. So we wait another day. And then, but in the meantime, we are getting ready to get a complete load back to the customer. So we had the solution in motion, but we couldn't obviously get a whole semi load of cabinets delivered to Utah within 24 hours. So that was the customer 24 hour role. Are there any thoughts or questions? Well, yeah, it's funny. You just said a really quotable quote. <laughs> you can't uh, always solve your problem in 24 hours, but you can have a solution in motion within 24 hours. That's a really empowering statement, uh, especially when you're facing a conflict or, or, or a challenge or a setback that seems too big. Um, and it's funny because it's something I, I tell my kids all the time. Uh, especially when they're feeling frustrated or, or trying to work through something and just, you know, like my son's really into building Legos and he's facing a problem and he's trying to figure out how to build this thing and he doesn't feel like he has the right pieces and he wants to go buy the right pieces. And I can say, hey, buddy, uh, if you stop and put that down for a minute and take a, take a breath and think about it, I'll bet you there's a hundred possible solutions that you could use. You just have to, you have to get out of your, your, uh, you know, the, the mindset you're in right now is frustration. You're, you're thinking there's no solution. I can't, I can't figure this out. And what you don't realize is there's probably a lot of solutions. You just aren't looking for them or you're lo looking in the wrong place. So you can't always solve every problem within 24 hours. You know, that's just not, mm -hmm. but you can feel empowered knowing that you can, you can come up with a solution and get it in motion within 24 hours and get things and that, in motion. Right. That feels a lot better than, than you know, feeling stuck or feeling like you just can't. Right. I think uh, the the uh, one of the proverbs says that uh, the lazy man says that there's a lion in the streets and he can't go out. Right. And I think one of the sources of laziness is paralysis. When yeah. when a situation you allow situation to paralyze you, and what you need to do when you have a situation is start moving in the right direction, and and solve what you can. Yeah, solve what you can. Just so if there's somebody there listening right now who's paralyzed by a problem, just start getting in motion with what you can do. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I read a poem really quick? Because this is, you know, yeah. this this really takes us into some some really interesting life stuff. I mean, this we're talking about business. Um <laughs> and but this this just is too perfect to not share. We we just went through a hurricane. Uh, here in Northeast Florida. So we didn't in, in, uh, experience the heavy, heavy, heavy winds and rain that the South uh, Southwest Florida experienced. Um, but my daughter, my five-year-old, was feeling frustrated one day. We were stuck inside and it was really windy and a lot of rain and we couldn't really go outside and play. And, and there was just this this fear of, you know, what if the storm is really, really, really bad? And what if our house floods or what if a tree falls on the house or whatever? There's just a lot of things going on, a lot of fear. And my five-year-old was just kind of wrestling through um, 
the, those emotions. And so I, I asked her, I was just asking her to kind of process through what she was feeling and she was trying to do something. I can't really remember what it was. And she kind of threw her, her hands down and she goes, I cannot do a lot of things, but what I can, I will. And then she just ran off mm. and it just resonated in my soul. <laughs> it was like this moment of, wow, what, like what wisdom in a five-year-old, she didn't realize how profound that statement was. I cannot do a lot of things, but what I can, I will. So I, I, this whole poem just came to me and I, I think I'm, I'm actually going to try to put it together into a little book, but I, I just wanted to share this because I think this might speak to someone. Uh, so here's how the poem goes. I cannot do a lot of things, complained Miss Ellie May. The other kids can walk the dog and take him out to play. My brother likes to mow the lawn. My sister tends the plants. And when we all go to the beach, they swim out where I can't. I cannot do a lot of things, bemoaned Miss Ellie May. When we go to a restaurant, they never let me pay. Now, wait a minute, little gal, declared Miss Ellie's dad. You may be small and not that tall, but I don't think that's bad. You dress yourself and you clean your room, two things big kids should do. You wash your hair and brush your teeth with no one helping you. You feed the dog, you fold your clothes, you do the dishes too. I'd say that from the sounds of it, there's so much you can do. Miss Ellie may plop down to think of all her dad just said. Now all the things that she could do began to fill her head. She shot up from her thinking chair and she shouted with a shrill, I cannot do a lot of things, but what I can, I will. Hmm. And I, I think there, there's, we can get stuck in this paralyzing fear of all the things that we can't do or all the limitations or all the, the challenges or problems, or uh, especially if it's a big one, like something that you know, affects your livelihood. And if you can step back for a second and think, ah, this is a big problem and I feel like there's no solution, uh, but we, I, I can't do it this way, but maybe there is another solution. Maybe I, I could tackle it another way. So hopefully that encourages you as you're listening to this podcast that there is hope. There is another side to, you know, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be, you know, in business, there's always going to be challenges and things to overcome. Um, so having the right attitude and outlook on it can make a lot of difference. Good. So hopefully that helps you today. Thank you again so much for joining us on the Healthy Leaders Podcast, where we're here to help you know, struggling leaders, people that are just facing some problems, challenges, uh, to have some hope, have, feel like there's there's an option, there's someone else that you know you can talk to. We want to encourage you to go to healthy-leaders.org if you do have a problem, if you have a problem with conflict and you need somebody else to kind of be a sounding board, um, or if you just have another issue or challenge in your business that you would like help with, go to healthy-leaders.org. And if you click on the top right corner, there's a little button that says schedule a call with Phil. That will take you to a web form that you can fill out and Phil will read that email and then he'll get back in touch with you and you can take it from there. So Thanks again for joining us on the podcast today. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Leaders Podcast as we journey together toward healthy biblical leadership. If you're facing a particular challenge in your organization, please visit healthy-leaders.org. We would love to help you lead your organization to health. Thank you.